You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Hello and welcome to Talk Your Jits Podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a blue belt who trains at American Top Team Coconut Creek, located in Coconut Creek, California. Ladies and gentlemen, Joseph McFarlane. Hey, thank you so much for the intro. Lamar, that's Coconut Creek, South Florida. Oh, excuse me. Uh, okay, uh, Coconut Creek, South Florida. <laughs> I, my, my apologies my apologies I think, I think when you when you hear coconuts automatically you think of palm trees and beverly hill sea breeze yeah but you know we actually have that down here too oh okay well yeah my 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 apologies not california it's not california <laughs> it's all right man hey thanks for having me on the uh on the show man i, I appreciate it man i appreciate you taking the time out to do this uh, episode with me Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I'd love to talk about uh, my journey. And um, and I know it's all things jujitsu, but but quite honestly, it's been a multifaceted um, uh, catalyst that has led me back into jujitsu after all these years. Oh, nice. Well, man, look, the floor is yours, man. Go ahead and take us down that road. Awesome, man. So, um, here's what I like to start off by saying by saying this. Um, my jujitsu journey started uh, over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just turned 40, just to give the listeners a little bit of context. Just had my 40th birthday. Well, happy birthday. And thank you. Thank you. And uh, when I was about 19, mm-hmm. I had just finished high school and I was not sure which direction I was going to go in my life at the time. Uh, I was a standout wrestler in high school. I was ranked uh, third in the state. And um, my grades weren't good enough to go to college, even though, um, you know, I I had been eyeballing several schools specific for their wrestling programs, but I just didn't have the grades. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to the Navy. And while I was in the Navy, I tried out for the, for the, the U, uh, United States Navy SEALs. Um, due to a turn of events, as it would seem, my eyesight was not good enough. And I ended up getting kicked out of the Navy completely for what the military calls erroneous entry and a medical discharge. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that was kind of strange, too. So my mom says is that, you know, it's, it's always God's plan and it probably just wasn't his plan for me to go that direction. Mm-hmm. When I came home from the Navy, again, I was, I was kind of there, not, wonder, not knowing what I was going to do with my life being 19, 20 years old at the time. But I was a tough wrestler. And once again, my grades weren't good enough to get into school. But a local tough guy actually recruited me to his Brazilian jiu-jitsu club, which at the time, this is 20 years ago, was um, was at a local gym. Mm-hmm. And so I walked in with my head up and my chest out, and I was proud and I was cocky and arrogant, like most 19, 20-year-olds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wrestlers, right? Right. And, um, and I went in there and, 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 you know, I did pretty well considering that I had never known anything about jiu-jitsu other than what I had seen on the earliest UFCs when Hoist Gracie was fighting. Uh-huh. But 
once the fight went to the ground, I was quickly subdued in, um, in a world of different submissions. Now, quite honestly, back then and, you know, 20 years ago, the, the jiu-jitsu game was, was limited in terms of how many different moves there were. Yeah. So it was a triangle choke or a Kimura lock or, you know, like uh, an arm bar usually was, was, the, uh, was usually the move that I fell victim to. And very quickly, I realized, wow, I'm not so tough, at least not as tough as I thought I was. And as a result, I said, I have to learn this craft. I must. Mm -hmm. It was an injury to my ego. Because up until that moment, I was ranked third in the state. Up until that moment, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Up until that moment, I couldn't last a minute and 30 seconds without being choked out. <laughs> right. right. And so that was the very beginning of my jujitsu journey. Um, I had just got back from the military, wasn't sure which direction I was going, got recruited to a local jujitsu club in upstate New York. And, and man, let me tell you, it's, it's so much has happened since then over the course of 20 years, which probably has you wondering why I'm only a blue belt. Yeah, that was that was going to be my next question. Yeah. So, um, what I'll what I'll say is this: I it, because I, I I will allude to it because there's still more chronolo chronologically to the story that I'd like to share with you. Uh huh. But but just to kind of give you some foresight into the story, what I ended up doing was I ended up hanging up the sport altogether, completely quitting to never ever return back. And that period lasted for approximately 15 years. Oh, wow. And that time frame of 15 years gets interrupted by something that happened in my life approximately one year ago. Okay. And as, and as you know, I'm back today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Right. So, so um, uh, so I've, I've given you some background. I've given you some foresight as to where we're going. Um, I think maybe the, the next best thing to do is pick it up where I left off and, uh, and, and tell the middle of the story. Do your thing. All right, cool. So I joined the jiu-jitsu club in upstate New York, and I was young, 19, 20 years old. And um, I'm going through the process and the motions and I was a very fast learner. Um, I was a very good athlete, faster and stronger than most people. Um, I was in a smaller weight class. Back then, I believe it was 140 pounds. So uh, just lightning quick and uh, just full of uh, piss and vinegar is what people would say, right? <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't before long that I started dominating a lot of guys in the room. And my coach, who was a real hard ass, um, encouraged me to start getting into competition. Now, back then, competitions were sketch. Yeah. Super sketch. The, the Back then, the most legitimate competitions were Naga, which is still around today. Mm -hmm. And... and the only other really legit competitions back then, I'm, I'm thinking a ways back now. I'm trying to draw from memory here. But um, I believe they had uh, like Grappler's Quest, uh, Abu Dhabi was obviously legit. 
and they had like Mundials, which were in Brazil. But other than that, man, the competitions that were just around were super sketch. Tournaments thrown together, held in people's basements, backyards, <laughs> uh, high school, you know, high school gymnasiums. Um, you know, local clubs would come together, and you know, they'd have like a mock weigh-in. Total like underground type stuff. Um, no real law of the jungle. Just straight right? fight club. S- straight, straight fight club. I mean, you weren't allowed to punch and kick and stuff like that. It was, yeah. it was, it was submission, right? But you know, I remember back in the old days, and you know, depending on your, your audience, they may remember this too. But you know, people would enter the submission tournament um, dressed like the early UFCs. Some people would wear wrestling shoes. Some people were barefoot. Some people would wear board shorts. Some people wore the little, uh, you know, tight, you know, spandex like fight shorts. We called them the, Valley Tudor. Yeah, the Valley Tudor shorts. Yeah. Yeah, Valley Tudor shorts. Uh, you know, some people wore. Um, n- nobody wore rash guards back then. Like they didn't even exist yet. The only people that wore rash guards were surfers, right on the right. beach. Um, nobody wore rash guards back then. It was either bare chested or you know your favorite. Your gym T-shirt, which, by the way, ended up getting ripped in half, mm-hmm. um, because even if you competed no gi back then in those days under the sketch rules, <laughs> if somebody wore an, an article of clothing, even if it was no gi, you were allowed to use it against them. Really, back in the old school days. So I'm on record. I, I mean, I don't know if it's still on the internet if you can pull it up or anything because it's been almost 20 years now. But I'm definitely on record um, of of having multiple t-shirt choke championships at nogi naga tournaments uh and multiple times wow (laughs) wow so guys would wear the t-shirt in a nogi competition thinking that it was going to help them because you know it absorbs sweat but um but i would go for literally a t-shirt choke in a nogi tournament at a naga competition back then 100 percent uh, allowed, totally legal. So it's funny, man, because I remember back in those days, um, you know, uh, you know, telling my parents what it was that I was doing and they were so against it. You know, Mm -hmm. they thought that they thought that what I was involved in was some type of like underground Kumate type stuff, (laughs) right? Kumate type stuff. Um, you know, where uh no holds barred which by the way that 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 term was also used back in the day too yeah valley tudu no holds barred yep valley tudu no holds barred eventually they called uh what they now call mma they called uh full contact fighting Mm -hmm. and eventually evolved into mma that's like the more i guess um marketable term Right. right So I did that for years. Um, I, you know, I excelled very quickly. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I was, I, I entered tournaments. I won multiple tournaments, and um, a lot of it had to do with my athleticism. A lot of it had to do with my um, um, very strong wrestling background. And I don't want to give the listeners the wrong impression when I say this, but back in the day, I used to enter into expert advanced divisions, black belt divisions, 
and you know i would i would compete i would do well i would end up in the finals i never won a tournament in the black belt division but i did end up in the finals in the black belt division as a white belt um and uh against a legitimate henzo gracie black belt i won't say his name uh, out of respect uh but i did get beaten by that person and i remember that the overall consensus from my coaches, from my team, and then from you know the uh, the tournament promoters, were that um, that 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 I was really something special, and that and that I should continue pursuing this possibly as a career. Definitely. Yeah. So right around, I don't know. I think I might have. I, I must have been around. I got to do the math, but I think right around twenty or 20, 21 years old, um, I started fighting MMA. So, uh, again, back then, Naga in the Northeast was, uh, it was and still is, a very prominent um, mid-level and maybe even some cases top-tier level um, uh, combat organization. So, they not only did they have jiu-jitsu tournaments, but they also had MMA tournaments or MMA um, uh, cards. Mm -hmm. So, I started fighting uh, uh, MMA, um, started actively training to do that. I had some very good success in that, and um, I diligently pursued a career as a professional fighter uh, in MMA, um, and probably the biggest event that I had had was in 2003, Reality Fighting 5, Atlantic City, New Jersey, Boardwalk Hall, title fight against the... Um, then champion i was the challenger uh and i will say his name and i have much respect for him his name is nick catone if anybody wants to look it up okay nick catone so nick and i he was the champion i was the challenger we fought to a draw and um and right around that same time i met ken shamrock and right around that same time i was 21 years old and i decided that i wanted to move to florida to train with american top team Mm, so, okay. So, boarded a plane, got off, landed in Fort Lauderdale in February. It was 75 degrees out. Saw beautiful palm trees, saw red Ferraris, and I saw pretty Latino women. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, wow, I arrived at 21 years old. And I so I'm here. I'm here. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, um, I was very fortunate. I had a family member, a cousin of mine that let me stay with him for free until I got my feet, you know, on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, I sought out the gym, found the gym it, back then, 20 years ago, they were, they were in, they were founded in, well, they have much earlier beginnings, not in Coconut Creek. The, the earliest beginnings were actually in Miami and they went to Boca. Then they ended up in Coconut Creek where they are today. Uh, but when I arrived there, they were already in Coconut Creek and uh, went to the gym, walked in. I had no idea who I was looking for or talking to. This is back in the day before we had iPhones, you know, everybody had, uh, flip phones, Motorola razors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, you would, you know, look up where you were going on the internet and then you'd write the address down 
and you'd print out the directions and you you know you'd look at the directions as you drove in your car to find the place good old map quest <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> right right that's what it was and uh so i found the place i walked in and it's funny because like i i walked in and i felt like i arrived at like a super walmart because to me this gym was so big and so impressive and so clean and and so uh just 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 impressive uh i, I felt like i you know ooh, i arrived to the big leagues right mm -hmm. and um which is funny because fast forward to today the gym is like like a hundred times the size today the new location right <laughs> so it's wow. like, like yeah, way even bigger now so um so i walked in I, I didn't know who to ask for i didn't know who was who was what uh, just a young 21 year old kid who was real tough and, you know, I wanted to be the best. And, um, and, 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 and when I walked in, I didn't know, I had no idea, but the first two people who I saw when I walked in were two very tough looking older and to me older, I was 21, uh, older looking, uh, Brazilian dudes. Um, and I had no idea who they were, but, but who they were was, uh, Hikata Laborio and uh marcelo silvero mm. Marcelo Silvera, and uh of the silvero brothers and uh and, and you also you might know marcelo from his big brother conan conan silvero mm -hmm. i heard the name before who fought in the ufc mm -hmm. so i didn't know who those guys were but but i you know i i, I could immediately tell that they were somebody you know they, they were like i said they were uh, you know big strong looking guys tattoos and you know cauliflower ear brazilian and um, I said, you know, I introduced myself and I said, I'm a fighter from New York. I just moved to Florida. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm a pro and, um, and I'm here because I want to train with the best. And Marcelo Severa told me this, and I'm paraphrasing. He said in his Brazilian accent, he said, um, you know, I, I like your ambition. I like that you're here to learn how to fight. But I want you to know that nobody just walks into the gym and just says, hi, I'm here to fight. You know, if you want to be one of us, then you have to come in and you have to train like one of us. You have to give your everything like you're one of us and you have to bleed like you're one of us. And so if you're willing to do that, then we're willing to have you here. Mm. Are, you willing, are you willing to do that? And of course, being the young ambitious bright-eyed and bushy-tailed uh 21 year old aspiring professional athlete i said yes sir i am and he said he said and then he said okay well go ahead suit up go suit up and um and brazilians call sparring they have a portuguese word for sparring they call it bloqueo which i don't know what the exact translation is but i i believe it's just translated as sparring okay so they call bloqueo now, of course, I don't speak Portuguese. I'm from America. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, American from New York. And he said, okay, you know, get ready because we're going to do bloqueo. Of course, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but, uh, and, 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 you know, usually where I'm from, you know, when you walk into a gym, you kind of already know what days are sparring days and what days are not. <laughs> so, so my very first day of walking into the gym, he was like, you know, get your helmet on. Right. Oh no! <laughs> Get your helmet on. So, um, so I, you know, you're brand new. You know, you don't even know where the locker room is, right? So, right. you kind of just walk in. And, and back in those days, uh, it, it's completely changed now. It's completely integrated, and, and everyone's really cool. 
But back in those days, uh, I remember it being uh, very segregated. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, there, there were really two groups of people in, in, in that gym, uh, the Brazilians and then the people who were not Brazilian. Right. Um, right. So the Brazilians kind of stuck together. And most of, and they were very cool and they were very friendly and very nice, but there was a language barrier for sure, mm-hmm. right? A lot of these guys had just come here from Brazil and they were still learning English. And, um, and then there were a bunch of other dudes who were not Brazilian, like me, who don't speak a lick of Portuguese, but, um, but they're there to train. So um, everyone was cool, but you can definitely, I definitely recognize that like, you know, the, uh, like the white guys would hang out over here and the Brazilians would kind of hang out over there. And then that's just kind of how it was, right? So we go in there, I put the headgear on. Um, you know, most of the practice is in Portuguese. That was new to me. That was strange. Uh, this is, it's funny because back then we had Google, but it wasn't like the Google how everyone has it today, mm-hmm. right? where you can type anything into your computer or your phone and you can find images, information, you know, within a quarter of a second. Right. right. So I get paired up with a couple of Brazilian dudes who are about my size, 145 pounds in that area. I don't know who they are. Quite frankly, didn't care. I was again, piss and vinegar, 21 years old. I had just fought in Atlantic City against the champ. And as far as I was concerned, these guys should be worried about me, right? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm the one who came down from New York, tough, tough town, New York, to, you know, palm trees, coconut, Florida. <laughs> right. Coconut, Florida. <laughs> they should be worried about me, which is a good thing because, man, I went into those sparring rounds, you know, with some big balls. Because uh, what happened next came at another surprise to me. <laughs> so, um, again, I didn't know who I was sparring with. I had, you know, just general respect for the person who I was sparring with. You know, tap the gloves, nod your head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Laborio says, okay, guys, make sure you keep it at about, you know, 50 or 60%. And, um, okay, you know, 50%. I know what that feels like. That's cool. So we touch gloves and I'm sparring with the person in front of me. And, um, and I, I quickly realized that this person's 50% didn't feel like 50%. <laughs> now, it wasn't 100%. I'll give them that. But I, but I started f- feeling, you know, the pressure. And I was like, wow, like this guy's kind of, he's throwing kind of hard. And as somebody who, who is primarily a wrestler, Whenever I get in trouble, I usually lean back on my wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. So something's not going right, I go for the takedown, and then I can control from there, what have you. So me and this person have some very heated exchanges, and I will, I will use his name. I'll tell you who it is later. There was actually two guys, and um, we have some heated exchanges. And, uh, man, I remember throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him just to get him on the ground. I couldn't get him on the ground. A couple times I got close to finishing the takedown, but I couldn't finish the takedown. And I remember feeling good about myself because while I was scrapping, Laborio looked over at me and kind of gave me, uh, you know, he kind of gave me some, uh, some kudos, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're a young kid, that feels good when the coach notices that you're, that you're, that you're 
going for it. Right. And, uh, and even though maybe he didn't get it, he's like, Hey, good job. Keep it up. Keep it up. That type of stuff. Right. Right. So I finished, I finished the round with this guy and his name was Edson Denise, who I, I, I know he was a professional fighter. He was a black belt at the time. Um, I don't remember if he fought in the UFC. I, I know he fought in some other big, uh, big, big, uh, events. And I think he may have been a UFC fighter. So I didn't know who that was at the time. Okay. I just thought it was another tough Brazilian dude who I got paired up with that day. Well, later on that day, you were some sitting down and they're cycling guys in and out, they're cycling guys in and out. I get paired up with another guy and, um, the coach says to us, Hey, 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 50%, 50%. Right. And I'm like, well, I know that because we had just got done doing that. But little did I know that he was, he was actually telling my part, the sparring partner, Hey, hey be careful. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So me and this guy, and I'll give you his name too in a second, but I want to tell, I want to tell what happened first. Mm -hmm. So me and this guy square off, exchange some jabs, you know, a little bit of roundhouse kick, little patty cake, feeling each other out. He pops me. He pops me with a counter punch. And man, there was a lot of power behind that. It wasn't 100%, but it was good, good and clean. And he sat down on it. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking to myself like, oh, okay. So I threw one back at him. Now he and I are starting to ratchet up the intensity. <laughs> he threw a looping right hand haymaker for my head and missed. And by the way, I didn't slip it. I didn't duck it. He missed. And I'm lucky he missed. But when he missed, he kind of stumbled over. Uh, I wish I, if, if uh, it's a podcast, so I'm doing my best to explain what, what it looks like. But imagine somebody throwing a wild right looping hand over the top and missing. And as they miss, their shoulder and their head kind of goes down and forward. Mm -hmm. and, and what was their rear leg? Is now their front leg because they they swung so hard they went forward. Yeah, he he tried to put some oomph into that punch. Yeah, and it, it, it was it was sloppy, but but it was you know yeah haymaker. Well, my training told me to chamber and roundhouse, and that's what I did. So I did like the way my hips were. I switch 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 hip and chambered a roundhouse, and I kicked him right in his face. And when I did that, all of the white boys on the bleachers were like, oh, <laughs> like that, right? they all made that noise. And, um, and he was wearing a helmet and, and my shin landed right on his, you know, right in his mouth. And um, he stumbled backward. He didn't fall down. And when I heard the guys on the bleachers go, oh, like, really what they were saying was, oh, shit, right? It's getting real. <laughs> and again, let me remind you, I don't know who I'm sparring. Right. This dude came back at me and destroyed my world, okay? He, he came at me with the full force, all the guns out. He, 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 he barraged me with a series of strikes. He threw me on the ground. And he ground and pounded my face. Uh, I was wearing a helmet, but he, by the time he was done, my helmet had spun backwards and my shin pads were falling off. Wow. 
<laughs> and I remember to this day that that to this day, to this day, I still haven't been punched by somebody, thank God, who I thought that their hands felt like cinder blocks. Okay. Uh. So the bell rings, I survived the round. I'm not knocked out, but I'm definitely messed up. Ego is deflated. I come off the the uh, the mat there, and I go to the bleachers, and you know, I you know, my, my day is over. And I remember, well, you know, a couple of the kids that were there, they kind of made, they kind of like chuckled and said something funny about what had happened, and 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 they were like, oh man, they're like, you know, that was a really good kick, but you know, you're, you know, you're, you're lucky, you know, you're lucky that you survived. So I go home, and I get on the machine, the uh, Google machine, and. I'm, and <laughs> And I, and I go to and just just want to give you some context, some more context to the viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google was not like then, twenty years ago, like it was today. So you don't just go to Google and like type something in. You you had to go to the website, you know, the actual American Top Team website, and then go click on the little tab that says fighters, and then under the tab you go to professional fighters, and you go through the list of people, right? So I'm going through the list of people, and I'm trying to find an image of the guys who I saw today and I'm going down the images and I'm looking at the smaller guys and I identify my sparring partners. The first guy I already told you was Edson Denise. The second guy, the guy who mauled me was Hermes Franca. And if anybody remembers Hermes Franca, he had fought in the UFC multiple times and he was known for being a, a really savage jujitsu guy, uh, you know, black belt, of course. And he also was known for throwing these wild looping overhand rights and he would just crumble people with them. And when they crumble, he would, you know, shoot his takedown, get him on the ground and tap him out. Oh, wow. So, so I'm sitting there in my chair, 21 years old, and I'm feeling, feel, I'm feeling kind of funny because I, 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 part of me was, was humbled because I gotten, I, I just got my, my butt kicked. And the other part of me was feeling kind of good though. Cause I'm like, wow, these are like, these are like top dudes from Brazil. Right. And I'm like, I'm on the right track here. I'm on the right track. So I continued training with American top team for about uh, another year and um, 21 years old living in South Florida. I quickly made bad decisions and I got caught up in the nightclub and nightlife lifestyle oh a lot of people down here they come down here especially when they're 21 years old they're young they're impressionable they're stupid and they make bad decisions and that's what i did so i um i, I was never you know never like a drug addict or an alcoholic or any of that stuff but but i definitely definitely drank a lot uh you know i chased uh women a lot um, you know, and, and I hung out in the party scene and, and I, I remember saying to, whenever I ran into the guys from the club, um, they would say, they would say, Hey, you know, Bambi my nickname is Bambino. The Brazilians call me Bambino, which, which means kind of like, like, uh, cause I, I, I look very young. Like, uh, when I was young, I looked young. And now that I'm older, I still look young. <laughs> so, so they call me Bambino, which kind of means like baby face or baby. Okay. So they say, Bambino, how come we don't see you around anymore? And my and I would respond by saying, Hey man, you know, I'd rather just be on the beach drinking a margarita than, than at the gym, you know, you know, putting in the hard work. And and then and then you know, that was the beginning of what I thought was the end for me. I had let it go, completely stopped training for about one year. 
Okay. Um, I forget what happened, but somebody had called me and they were like, yo, man, Florida Open Jiu-Jitsu Grappling Tournament. Do you want to enter? And I was like, why? So, and I'm cocky. I'm cocky and I'm stupid. I'm like, why? So I can go in there and so I can clean up. And he was like, man, you won't clean up. I'm like, you don't think I will? I will. So my out of shape, you know, uh, nightclub rave self decided to enter the Florida Open in, I think, 2006. Okay. Okay. And I entered the Florida Open. It was a no-gi tournament. Um, I don't remember exactly how the brackets went, but what I do remember is the most important part of this segment of the story. When I got to the finals, and this is crazy, by the way, I'm about to tell you. When I got to the finals of that tournament at the Florida Open, I, once again, had no idea who my opponent was. My coach, or I'm sorry, at the time, he wasn't my coach. He was a friend of mine. And at the time, he was a blue belt, like how I was, still a blue belt. Uh, today, that person who I'm talking about, who coached me in my corner today, he's a black belt. He said to me, holy crap, Joe, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no. And quite frankly, I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. He's like, he's like, dude, that's George Masvidal. You need to be really careful because he likes to do leg locks and heel hooks. Wow, so, Masvidal. Masvidal. Now, back then, and you guys, and people can look it up. Back then, Masvidal was only 145 pounds. Mm -hmm. or 150, 145, 155, somewhere in there, right? In 06. He grew. He's, he's, big. he's way bigger now, right? And I didn't care who it was. So me and Masvidal went, um, and forgive me, I don't remember all the rules of this particular tournament, but we went like all, all two or all three periods or however they broke up the time clock, I forget. But we went the full distance going back and forth in a heated battle that ended up end of regulation time, 0-0, zero, zero, no score. And the entire gymnasium, it was in, a, it was in a, a high school gymnasium somewhere down in Miami, was surrounding our mat, watching our mat match. Everybody knows who George is. Everyone, because he's, he's the kid from Miami. Yep. And at the time, you know, he was the up and coming MMA fighter from uh, FFA, which is Freestyle Fighting Academy in Miami. And, um, you know, ha half of his, he had like 100 people there from his club, right? And I'm there and I have one person in my corner because once again, not, not only am I a year out from not training because I had I just decided that I wanted to quit and I was just there to com compete that day to show, show people what I had. But here I am in the finals against what would be the Jorge Masvidal today, as you guys all know him. Right. So we get to back then under this particular tournament rule set, they had an overtime. And um, so we go to overtime zero zero and, and forgive me. I don't remember how the rules were supposed to go. I think it might've been like first takedown wins or, you know, first near submission wins or something like that. Um, anyways, long and short of it, we end up in a scramble and he ends up leg locking me and I had to tap. So I tapped. And I lost to George Masvidal in 2006 in a Miami Jiu-Jitsu Grappling Open. I'm a, <laughs> this next part, I'm, I'm wondering if I should leave out or not, because if I ever run into George, I live in Coconut Creek, and I, and I know he trains in Coconut Creek. I don't want him to slap me. 
<laughs> I mean, it'd be pretty surprising if he is just here's his podcast and his name pops up. So yeah, go ahead and tell it. All right, George. Listen, if you if you end up listening to this podcast, nothing but love, man. Nothing but love. All right. So listen. So the tournament. So the match is over. I lost. He wins fair and square. Um, I come off the mat and I'm standing in the line, the concession line, to buy like a Gatorade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he walks over to me, right? And and remember now, 2006. So how old are we? I don't know. I think we're like 25 years old, both of us, right? He, and I think he's younger than me, so he's probably like 23. And um, he walks over to me and he goes, "Hey, man." He's like, he's very polite. He goes, "Hey, man." He's like, you know, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm from I'm from Boca, blah blah blah. And he's like, oh, where? he's like, where you train? And and I'm so arrogant. But I'm like, man, I, I don't even train, dude. I, I don't train anywhere. You know, I, I used to train a top team, but like I haven't trained in years, man. And he was like, oh, okay. He's like, cool. He's like, he's like, do you fight? Are you gonna fight? You know? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I used to fight MMA. I'm I'm thinking about maybe coming back, maybe not. He's like, oh, what 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 weight you at? What weight you at? And I'm like, 145. I think they called it flyweight at the time. Mm-hmm. And then and he was kind of it was funny because he was kind of feeling me out. You know what I mean? He was kind. He wanted to. He wanted to kind of like inquire about you know who is this tough kid that I just had to scrap with. And right. Am I gonna am I gonna see him again? Maybe in a local fight, right? Because mm-hmm. because back then he was fighting in the local uh, local gigs, and um and and what have you. So he might not even remember that after all the success he's had and all the money he's made, but uh, but I remember that. And there's an old saying amongst uh, combat athletes, you know we don't always remember all of the wins we have, especially if we've had a lot of them. But one thing that combat combat athletes do remember is their painful losses mm. because they're, they're memorable because they're usually ones that cause you know, the most pain and the ones that you dwell on and, 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 and replay in your head over and over again. Right. So I remember almost every loss that I've had, right? Cause you, you replay it, you recalculate, you think what you would have, could have, should have, and how you're not going to do that and how you're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. So that was 2006, and from 2006 all the way up to 2001, or I'm sorry, 2021 is what I meant to say. 2021, mm-hmm. this, this time last year, I did no jujitsu, no MMA. I became a husband. Of, uh, well, first I became a Christian. God saved me. Nice. Um, and when that happened, um, everything changed. Right. And uh, so no more, you know, you know, nightclubs and staying out late and womanizing and all these things. So um, met my wife, got married, became a father, businessman, straight and narrow, got fat and <laughs> became lazy. <laughs> and did that all the way for the next, I don't know if, I, if my math is correct. I did that um, for about 15 years. Ooh, about 15 man. Just hung it up. I had no desire to go back. Um, I felt like I felt like it was something jujitsu and, and and fighting in general. I, I felt like it was something that was so far behind me. I felt like it's something that you do kind of like when you're a kid because that's what kids do because you have time. And you know, as an adult, you really don't have that kind of time anymore. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but bro, you know, for the first time ever, I'll say this to the to the public. You know, some of my friends, very few, like maybe five, if that, you know, some of them stuck with it. And when I saw them getting promoted 
and you know, years later, five, six years later, getting their black belts, I just got discouraged. And I thought to myself, man, like, you know, uh, me and him were blue belts together. Now he's a black belt. I'm, I'm just never going to get that. Forget it. Whatever. So I just, yeah, I just said, you know what? This is not for me anymore. We're done. I hung it up. Which brings me to the back end leading up into the present moment of my jiu-jitsu story. Ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So uh, about a year ago, and I'll tell you exactly when it was, because I have a counter on my phone, a special counter, a clock, that counts how many days that I've been doing jujitsu without fail. And I'm not talking about taking a day off. I mean, like, you know, like consistently training jujitsu. Everybody takes days off. Mm-hmm. It's been 442 days, so over a year. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've been training now over a year. So what's that? Like a year and about a hundred days, something like that. Um, so about a year and a half ago on my 39th birthday, I went to the doctor's office and the doctor came back and he checked my blood pressure and he says, Whoa, he says that's all jacked up. And then, you know, he checked my weight. My weight was all jacked up. And then, he told me that if I didn't modify some of my life choices and diet and things like that, that the conversation that we were going to have this time next year was going to be a lot different. And then he, re- he pretty much read me a long list of things that could happen. Mm. Um, I'm not a medical person, so I don't remember all the terms, but you know, the high blood pressure, the hypertension, the diabetes and all these things, right? Right. So I remember thinking to myself, what the hell? Uh, shoot. It, it, I mean, you've been listening to me talk now for a couple of minutes, but it feels like only yesterday that I was that top athlete. Mm-hmm. Now, now the doctor's reading me the riot act. What happened to Joe McFarlane? Right. You know, the tough, tough, fast guy that can, that can, you know, you know bang with black belts in, you know, in, in an open division. What happened? What happened? And so I went home realizing that, you know, a change probably had to happen. And, you know, I remember right around that time too, we went on vacation and I was at the beach with my, my, my youngest daughter and my wife snapped a photo of me playing with her in the sand. And in that photo, I can see my gut hanging over my, uh, you know, my bathing suit mm-hmm. and, 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 Sometimes you don't realize it, but like someone takes a photo and you look at the photo and you look at yourself and you're like, wow, like I'm like, like my, my body's changed. Like I'm a whale. <laughs> right. Right. Like, you know, like, and, and I just remember looking between what the doctor said and looking at the photo and, and like, you know, like you know, my arms were skinny and my chest was skinny. My belly was getting fat and just, just getting out of shape. Right. And I realized that I was my body, the way my body looked, I was becoming like what, what I always thought that I would never would look like mm-hmm. because I always, I always thought that I had stock in the athletic, athletic, athleticism game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was barbecuing at my house one day. My daughter had a water gun. She sprayed some water on the tile floor. I didn't see it. I was going fast. I slipped on the tile floor and blew out my knee. Oh, no. And the knee injury was the final straw. I remember thinking to myself like, wow, I'm not even 40 and I have bad knee, won't be able to walk right. I'm getting old man injuries, you know, all this negativity. Right. So I said, I made a decision. I said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rehab this knee and I'm going to go back to exercising for the purpose of not being decrepit physically so I can play with my, uh, who, my daughter who is now five years old. Mm -hmm. And so I could have, God willing, a longer life. Yes. Because the doctor's telling me, hey man, your blood pressure's jacked, hypertension's jacked, and blah, blah, blah. I sell real estate in South Florida. It's a very stressful job. Plus, I'm an extremely hard worker. I'm a workaholic. So, um, and, and not only that, but in, in my life now at 40 years old, I've been around long enough to see some of my friends pass away, mm. which is very sad. Things that are outside of our control, different reasons for passing. Everyone has, you know, some, some of these people have different things happen, but, but I've been around now long enough to see some people pass away from, um, you know, like a heart attack and things like that. Right. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself like, man, this is going to be me if I don't make some changes. Yeah. So I sat there in my office with a yellow pad and paper and I wrote down on the yellow pad and paper, inevitably what I knew was going to be true. I, don't, I just had to write it out in front of me just so I can see it with my own eyes. Right. But I already knew what, what was going to happen, but I wrote it down. And I wrote down this. I wrote down, Joe, uh, I, said, I said to myself, Joe, what are you going to do that's going to help you drastically change your life for the better physically? that you're actually going to enjoy doing so much so that you become almost addicted to it and that you got to keep coming back. And if you don't keep coming back, you're going to be upset if you don't keep coming back. You, whatever it is that you do needs to be something that's not a daunting task. Because mm -hmm. I think everybody has gone to the gym and been like, okay, this is cool for a couple of weeks and eventually they quit. Right. Same thing goes for a diet. Same thing goes for whatever, right? Um. What's it going to be? And I'm going off the top of the dome right now. I'm trying to remember just, just from memory. And I remember, I remember these categories and they're just, I'm just going to say them as I remember them. Say so whatever it is that I do needs to be fun. Category number one, fun. Okay. Whatever it is that I need that I'm going to do is going to need to have some type of level of bad assery. Uh-huh. Okay. Bad assery. I can't just go to box aerobics. You know, that's where all the single moms go to get in shape, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I need to go somewhere where I walk in, I feel like I'm a badass and the people around me are badass, okay? And it's got to be fun. That's two things. The third thing is that wherever I go, it needs to be competitive because I'm naturally a competitor. I'm, I'm the type of guy who will try to do more push-ups than you. I'm the type of guy that will try to read more books than you. I'm the type of guy that will try to whatever it is. Right. Competitive. So competition drives me. Number four, 
whatever it is that I'm doing that I'm investing time into as a, I'm an entrepreneur. So time for me is like extremely valuable. Yes. Well, whatever it is that I'm investing in needs to fall into my time schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, if, if, if it's a gym that has class only at this one time throughout the day and I can't be there because my schedule won't allow it, that's out the door done. Right. And then finally, the last category, category number five is whatever it is that I'm going to do needs to be practical. And what I mean by that is, is that you can use it not just in the gym, but you can actually use it outside of the gym if you had to. Mm -hmm. An example of practicality, I'm I'm just thinking of it, would be like, you know, learning how to swim. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or competing in like swim races, right? Where, where you enjoy the, the thrill of the competition and you're, and, you're, and you're swimming and you're getting in shape and you're working out. But God forbid, if you're ever in a situation where you had to swim for your life, <coughs> there's the practicality of actually learning how to swim. Right. So those are my five categories. Practicality, time, fun, badassery, competitive edge. And after I wrote those five things down on a yellow pad, it, 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 it came down to two options, three, three options, four, four options, wrestling, jujitsu, boxing, and Muay Thai. <laughs> oh. Excuse me. Excuse me. If I just coughed here. So I'm sitting there and I'm laughing to myself and I'm like, well, Joe, you're not, you're, you're 240 or 39. I was 39. You're not going to, you're not going to get punched in the head anymore. Yeah. That's out of the question. <laughs> so, so I thought to myself, you know, maybe you can do like, you know, like, you know, uh, what they call, um, cardio box or where you, where you, uh, get fit, but don't get hit. Yeah. Problem with that is, there's no badassery. You're going to go in there and the coach is going to be like, you know, hit the bag. Oh, but don't hit my face. To me, that didn't check the badassery box. Right. So immediately I knew that cardio boxing was not it. And regular boxing certainly was not it because I didn't want to get hit anymore in the head. So that eliminates those two. So now we're left with wrestling. If you remember, my, my, I was, I'm a wrestler at core. Love right. the sport. Love it. And jujitsu. Well, the wrestling ship has sailed, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) In in, in case you don't realize, you know, it's very unlikely to see wrestlers north of 35. Usually by the time they're in their early 30s, they're coaches anyway. Right. And um, or Olympians. But but um, for the most part, they're coaches anyway. And uh, to compete in wrestling, you know, at, at at a competitive level. You know, it's a very hard impact, hard paced. And I believe that that, sh- that, that ship had sailed in my life. Plus, wrestling is a, a collegiate sport. I'm not in college. You know? Yeah. Not in college. So that ship was sailed, which inevitably led to what I knew before I even started writing the list down. But I had to write the list just so I can see it on paper. And I recommend that the listeners, if you guys are thinking about starting or if you're thinking about starting back up consider the five categories i just told you about and just know that you've already arrived to this conclusion but listening to this podcast is the confirmation that it's time for you to go back definitely so 
lucky for me, I don't live in the boondocks. I live in Coconut Creek, Florida, which is which is home to one of the biggest, baddest MMA uh, and jiu-jitsu fight clubs in the world, American Top Team. And um, right around that time, unfortunately, COVID was happening. So I want to sign up. I finally muster up the, the, the balls to go and do it. And you can't because everything shut down because of COVID. Yeah. Well, that sucks, doesn't it? Um, not only that, but the main headquarters where all of these famous fighters train eventually got closed off from the public and was reserved for only the professional fighters. So that kind of, at the time, I didn't know any better, but at the time it kind of deflated my ambition. I'm like, oh shoot, I, you know, I was, I was really anxious to go back to, to, to go and, and train at the location of where the big leaguers are even though I was not, a, I was no longer a big leaguer. I just wanted to kind of be around it because of the badassery. Well, fortunately in the wake of, in the wake of COVID, um, what happened was is some of the, uh, some of the, the head coaches kind of broke off and started their own little satellite locations. Mm-hmm. And down the street from Coconut Creek was Coral, um, Coral Springs, uh, American top team location went in, signed up, told my, my now coach, who's the owner of that school, coach Bruno, the entire story that I just told you right now. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, okay, cool. I'll see you, you know, tomorrow. Great. So I show up for my first class in 15 years. And while we're doing the stretching exercise, I'm panting very heavily because I'm so out of shape and <laughs> barely made it through the warm up. And during the warm ups, we do like break falls. You know what a break fall is, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I realize that you're, you're, you're you do this. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> the people listening break falls is when you practice, uh, you, it's kind of, it's like a backwards roll. And you're, what you're doing is you're just practicing falling down. You're practicing falling on your butt. Yeah. And I hadn't done a break fall in 15 years. So when I did a break fall, I landed right on my tailbone and bruised my tailbone. Ah, and I hurt my, so I'm sitting there holding my, my ass and I'm going, I hurt my ass and, and, and he's kind of chuckling and, uh, he's such a sweetheart. He wasn't laughing at me. He was just, he was kind of just, I think, I think he was just kind of doing that, like, like trying to make me feel better about, you know, being new, but I didn't come back the second or third or fourth day because my butt bone hurt so bad. And my coach and my coach thought that I quit. <laughs> he thought that I quit. He thought I was one of those guys that came into the gym and talked about how I was this badass who fought Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> and, then and, then I quit. and then I quit the first day because I hurt my butt. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the honest truth is I really did hurt my butt and it, and it was bad. And I was just so out of shape that my tailbone had not seen anything but a computer chair for 15 years. Oh man. So, um, so once I got around that, I started training, uh, three days a week, um, got through the initial shock of soreness, got through the initial shock of arthritis, um, and tendonitis, which is something that you don't get in your twenties that you do get in your late thirties. 
So for the first time in my life, I felt my forearms and biceps like they were on fire. Mm-hmm. So it was a combination of me being out of shape and me being older and me gripping and fighting too hard when, when you know, I, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And over the course of the next six months or so, I like how when I was 20, I picked it up real fast. Muscle memory kicked in and I was allowed to be able to compete in the men's blue belt master divisions at Jiu-Jitsu World League and IBJJF tournaments. Nice. I won Miami Open, Orlando Open, Pan American Games champion, and I competed at IBJJF World Championships Blue Master in Vegas two, I think it was two months ago. And unfortunately, I did not place in that tournament. I ended up losing to the guy who took second place. Ah. I mean, so that's definitely a high level of bas- badassery, man. I'm back, baby. You're back. You're back I'm like back. you never left. And so in, in, in closing to my story, even though the story is not over, we're just getting started, right? Oh, yeah, we're just getting started. <laughs> but in, 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 in the arrival to our current destination, uh, current event, I've lost, uh, I believe, uh, 25, 25 or 30 pounds. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I've lost 30 pounds. Most of it came from off of my waist. Mm-hmm. Six pack is back. Chest and shoulders look good. Best shape of my life. Plus, you get a couple of bonus points for being 40. Because people, because people, when you're, when you're 21 and you're a com- competitive athlete, you're supposed to be in shape. Yeah, you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be lean and mean and ripped and, and, and everything, right? So at 40, when you're, when you're looking you know, lean and mean and ripped, you get bonus points, right? So I got those bonus kudos points. Um, and now I'm headed towards IBJJF Master Blue Nogi World Championships in three weeks. Wow. I have a shot to win. I intend to. I'm in a training camp right now. Um, training camp is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, I'm sorry. Then I'll back that up. Training camp is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, five days a week. Sometimes I drop it down to four if my body needs it. <laughs> just, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely take two days off for recovery, but, but, when I'm in a when I'm in an intense training camp for a tournament like this one, I, I, I again at 40, you sometimes I, I I keep it high throttle at five. Sometimes I'll drop it down to four. But um, what's really important is this: in my training camp, there are five other people who I'm sparring with every day, who are three of which are returning world champions. Um, all three of them, I'm sorry, three of which are returning world champions. Two of them are purple belts. One of them is a black belt. And then my other two sparring partners, one of them is a division one wrestler. And the other one is, um, they're a professional fighter. Uh, they're a professional MMA fighter. I I don't know what their jujitsu record is. 
Ah. So this is a special training camp that I'm in. It's a focus group. I have tremendous respect for these people. Um, I, I am the low guy on the belt rank system in this group. And I'm also the old guy in this group. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to train with me. Um, although I do think I bring a, a good, a good set of, uh, rolling skill to the group, but they have brought me in and they have pushed me through some of the hardest training sessions that I've had and also training sessions that I never thought that I'd even be doing at 40 when I think back to where I was just a year ago. And that's amazing, man. That's, that's amazing to be, you know, out of a sport for so long, 15, you know, 15 years. Like at that point, you, you, you basically forgot about it. And to be able to just, you know, come back and, you know, you back stronger and better than ever, man, that's, that's amazing. Thank you for that affirmation. I really appreciate it. And look, man, I could not have done it. I have, a, I have so many thank yous to give out first, you know, thank, thank uh, Jesus Christ. Without him, I wouldn't be here, period. Absolutely. Alive. I wouldn't even be alive, number one. Number two, you know, thanks to my wife and family who, who without them, I wouldn't even be able to afford the time to get away to go and hit the gym. Uh, so they make that happen. Number three, uh, amazing coaches and workout partners who have been sharpening me and encouraging me and correcting me. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, right two seconds ago, I just got a text message from my coach, jujitsu coach. He says, okay, cool. I'll see you tomorrow. And he, and, and he flexes, he flexes his arm muscle. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> so he's, you know, my coach, it's easy. It's I'm on the East coast. It's, uh, it's almost 11 o'clock at night. And my, my jujitsu coach, who's a multiple time black belt world champion at IBJJF. And he's also a uh, retired UFC fighter. Um, he is, uh, he's one of my coaches, you know, he's texting me at 10 30 at night telling me that he'll see me tomorrow. Nice. So I have a tremendous support group and, and I'll close my story like this. My goal is to win IBJJF worlds in three weeks. And my goal is to win the IBJJF world tournament at the master level every year for the next several years. And I, I don't know how fast I can get to black. I don't know. That's, that's pretty much up to my coach. Mm-hmm. but I would like to win master black within five to 10 years from where I'm at right now, which means at 40 years old, I'd like to complete that goal before I turn 50. Man. And you know, the route that you're going, man, I, I, I don't see no issues of that happening, man. Lord willing. Definitely Lord willing. And you know, I, I'm a man of affirmation, so I definitely claim it that, you know, it's going to happen, man. I, and I can't wait to talk to you down the line to, you know, hear about all the success that you are, you know, on this road of success that you're on now, man. I That's that's awesome. Thank you again for that affirmation. I really appreciate it. You know, I, I mentioned I mentioned that I wanted to 
I wanted to custom tailor this story and summarize it, but there are so many weird, interesting twists and turns and names that I'd come across over a 20-year spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to leave anything out because I do think it's kind of a quirky, interesting adventure that I've had in, in jiu-jitsu. Um, and man, like, you know, we could do another podcast where I just talk about, I mean, you, you just heard my story. Yeah. But like, we can just block another podcast where I can talk to you just about the basic benefits of what jujitsu is given to me in my life as a 40 year old businessman. Oh, we, we would definitely sit down again and, uh, <laughs> and definitely talk about that. Cause it definitely sounds like we only like touched the tip of the iceberg of your, your amazing jujitsu story. So yeah, we'll definitely have to carve out some more time and, uh, get that get that story uh get that story out there absolutely did um so what do you think do you think that i'm gonna get in trouble with uh jorge masvidal when i see him at the lo- local Publix uh supermarket <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this is what i'm thinking now if he hears this or if someone in his camp or someone who like yeah someone who hears this and get back to him and he hears this i'm just gonna be excited that he heard it <laughs> and it's it's out there, you know, it's out there in the world that people are listening to this. Like, hey, this dude talking about Jorge Masvidal and all this other stuff. So, and maybe you can get that rematch. Maybe you can get a, you know, that, yeah. that nice little, you know, rematch. Just you know, obviously a role, not an actual like MMA <laughs> fight, but you know. You listen, bro. Pro guys walk into my gym all the time from the main academy. Mm-hmm. And and it, it is not uncommon to see that on a weekly basis uh, for, for somebody who you see on pay-per-view to walk in and just throw on a gi and get a couple rolls in with some blue belts. You know what I mean? And um, so, <laughs> so if I do see him, you know, again, mad respect and uh, no disrespect at all, but it is a part of my life story and, and a memory that I will always, uh, always remember that um you know that there was a time before he was famous and and big uh where he and i actually had it out man and and an amazing story it was man amazing story that it was thank you appreciate it brother so um you know we still got a little time if you want to you know shout out your school i know you said that you have a couple tournaments coming up i mean you 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 basically you know you 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 explained everything i was going to ask anyway so i don't really have much to say anymore but um, I know you say you got a couple of tournaments coming up, um, and I definitely wish you the best and all, you know, the success in everything that you do. And I, man, I really can't wait to hear more about, you know, what happens in the future. Absolutely. And to all your listeners, um, if you're, if you're in, if you're, if you're doing jujitsu now, whether it's at a competitive level or you're a hobbyist, man, just stick with it. Just stick with it. Just it's cool. With it. It's fun. It's cool, you know. And there's ups and downs. There's ups and downs. You're gonna have your good days. You're gonna have your, you know, okay days. You're gonna have, you know, different types of injuries. Some of them are small. You know, you hurt your finger, or you know, somebody of the day. He, I don't know what happened. I think he might have blew his knee out. I feel bad for him. Oh no. But, but uh, yeah, I feel bad for him. But you know, these, bro, you can you can be playing ping pong at the beach and blow your knee out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Or you can do, I was barbecuing when I slipped on the tile and blew my knee out. So, you know, don't, don't 
let that type of stuff become an excuse to not go back or even keep you away from trying it. Um, there are guys in my school, one person in particular, he's 75. Oh, wow. And, and he's a black belt. He's been in the game like 20 or 30 years, probably 30 years if you include judo. And man, he rolls with the 25-year-olds, right? And uh, I would love to be 75 and still roll with 25-year-olds. You know what I mean? Yes, man. That is a, that is a bucket list goal right there. Yeah, you know, and obviously you're 75, but but the point is, is that you can you do it. You yeah, do you're it. still you're still able to do it. Yeah, you're doing it right. And uh, so, anyways, anyone who's listening, whether you're a competitor or a hobbyist, keep going. Um, ups and downs are part of the journey. Have fun. Have fun. That's the key. Have fun with it. Man, true words never spoken. But um, yeah, that's the end of today's episode. I would you know, love to thank Joe again for coming and sharing this amazing story with you guys. And I hope you do take something from it. Uh, please go uh, follow our Facebook and Instagram uh, pages to stay up to date on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day.